Wisdom cries out on the street. In the squares, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. Wisdom cries out on the street. In the square, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. Wisdom cries out. And there were so many cries on the street or at the corner or on an airplane in our U.S. cities on September 11th, 20 years ago yesterday. Cries rang out from lower Manhattan at the World Trade Center towers in New York City. Cries rang out at the Pentagon in Arlington, Virginia. Cries rang out on an airplane in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. How can we ever forget those cries? Some of you probably still hear those cries. You probably remember where you were and what you were doing when you began to hear about the crashes and the cries on 9-11. I was at a church office on the street called Zeltweg in Zurich, Switzerland, when I served as the associate pastor at the International Protestant Church of Zurich. It was a beautiful morning. It was quiet in the office. And then a phone call came from one of our congregation members who was working at Credit Suisse. She called in twice and finally reached our volunteer worker in the office. That volunteer worker then told the senior pastor who then told me that he was going to a neighbor's house nearby to turn on the TV set to see what was going on. I remained in the office with the volunteer worker and I called my wife, Gail, who was at home to see if she had heard the news yet and asked her to turn on the television to see what was happening. And what she found and what many found and heard were the images and cries from catastrophe, of horror, of anguish, of disbelief. So many cries in one of the busiest cities in the world where a public square became an ash heap. Wisdom cries out on the street. In the square, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. 20 years later, the cries continue over the loss of life, the devastation, the ongoing human divides and suspicion, the loss of innocence. 20 years later, so many questions and concerns. 20 years later, leaving the streets of Afghanistan while Afghan refugees cry out for help at the city gates of many nations across the world, while others cry out in the squares, wondering why we were even at war in Afghanistan. The cries continue. 
The dust hasn't settled 20 years later. And perhaps it will never settle because every piece of dust, human dust, matters. The ashes of our memory of 9-11 are human ashes, and we should never forget because every human life matters. Every speck of dust from God matters. How can we forget those cries from the street, from the square, from the busiest corner, from the entrance at the city gates, from the rubble of a collapsed building or fallen airplane in a field? Wisdom cries out on the street from the ashes and dust still to this day. And what does wisdom cry? Stop killing each other. Stop making each other the enemy. Honor human dust. Violence begets more violence. Hate cannot drive out hate. Don't wait for a calamity to form community and support one another. Wisdom cries out from a street. In the square, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. Wisdom in Proverbs is a feminine noun and is personified as a woman. Woman wisdom who was there at the beginning of creation, even before the beginning of the earth. Through the womb of wisdom, God gave birth to the world. The ancient wisdom speaks and forms the bookends of Proverbs. She's the beginning and the end, and she cries out unashamedly in public. Theologian David Ford, in his book on Christian wisdom, entitles his very first chapter, Wisdom Cries. He says that the more I have searched for Christian wisdom, the more I have been struck by its core connection with cries. The cries for wisdom and the cries by the personified biblical wisdom cries within and outside scripture that arise from the intensities of life and the cries of people for what they most desire. Christian wisdom, he continues, is discerned within earshot of such cries and is above all alert to the cries of Jesus. Wisdom cries out. Does not wisdom call and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand beside the gates in front of the town. At the entrance of the portal, she cries out, To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. And the wisdom that cries out in Proverbs 9 is actually in plural form, suggesting the urgency and, and volume of her voice on the streets. One voice of wisdom isn't enough to get through our thick skulls, to gain our full attention. We need woman wisdoms, every wise woman. We need multiple cries 
and sometimes not even nearly 3,911 cries is enough. Wisdom cries out in the street, in the square. She raises her voice at the busiest corner. She cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. I mean, wisdom definitely wants to be heard. And she has no fear of speaking in public view. She cries out full throttle. She raises her voice. She speaks in public at the busiest intersections on 15501, at the city gates with traffic jams on I-40 coming and going. Wisdom is not hiding in the wood trails of Western North Carolina where there is lower density or hunkered down in church pews. Wisdom, God's wisdom, is calling out in the streets, on the outside, not on the inside of denominational office headquarters. Wisdom works well and works wonders in the marketplace of life. She's out there like a street prophet, like John the Baptist, a voice crying out in the marketplace of life in the streets of downtown, the squares, the busiest corners of the research triangle, at the entrance of the city gates, at the heart of our economic and legal life, not necessarily where you think or where you most expect. We often get it wrong and think we gain wisdom from reading a book but we gain wisdom by living in the world through experience on the streets and listening. It was quite a summer to remember for me. I was an undergraduate student at Stanford University and was serving this summer as an, ex an, an exploration in ministry fellow through Memorial Church, which is the university's chapel. It was a fellowship that helped students discern ministry, a call to ministry, while working with a local nonprofit in East Palo Alto. That summer, I was paired with an organization that was serving those who were dealing with drug and, and substance abuse. My supervisor's name was Prince. Prince was a, a, a former dope dealer. And now he was a supervisor, and he had fully recovered. And now his job was to cry out on the streets to help others not go down the path he went down. Prince was my father of the streets. And when one, I was with him, I was safe because everyone in that town knew Prince and his peace and respected him. I just listened to his embodied wisdom. He could look at someone, walk, and know if it was what he called the dope fiend walk. He could look at someone and say, oh, that's a preacher's walk. And one day we were walking in a neighborhood, as was the custom, and he wanted to visit one of his dear friends, just to check in. This friend, I learned was a crack addict, and we were going to a crack house. 
My mother never heard this story then until today if she's watching. We got to the door and those inside greeted Prince and he introduced me indicating that I was okay. I stayed pretty close to Prince and we walked in and what I realized is that the living room had become more like a hospital room. His friend lay on a bed in that room, thin as rails, emaciated, still addicted to crack and dying. Prince just wanted to see him, to say hello because he was his friend. There was no judgment, just love. It was too late to help him recover, but Prince treated him as a human being, as holy dust, and looked at him with human eyes. On the streets of East Palo Alto or East Durham in the square, on the corner in a crack house, wisdom cries out, don't judge, love. I mean, we may wonder, why is wisdom outside, for goodness sakes, and not indoors, inside university classrooms and labs, for instance? An article in the Stanford Social Innovation Review put it this way, never mistake knowledge for wisdom. One helps you make a living, the other helps you make a life. Wisdom is the latter. Just because you accumulate knowledge does not make you wise. Wisdom comes through experience, failing and succeeding, trial and error in practice over time, during life on the streets and at the city gates, walking, watching, listening, learning. Historically, universities in the West, with their Christian ethos, were, as one pope put it, wisdom's workshop. And involved, was it, they were involved in shaping the values of students and the cultivation of wisdom. But in the mid-19th century, German universities developed the research-based academy that we have today. And this influenced the approaches in American and British universities to move away from a focus on the cultivation of wisdom to a more supposed objective scientific inquiry that's less religious or even a-religious and less about the nurturing of values and character in general, though we see a little resurgence moving back in that direction. But nonetheless, woman wisdom calls out to us at Duke to get on the streets in our communities, to hear her cries and voice, to get outdoors where the action is. For if we only remain locked away in our homes or dorm rooms or labs, we will not hear wisdom's cry. Do you want to make a living or make a life? Wisdom cries out on the street. In the squares, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. Many years ago, at the Church of the Holy Comforter in Atlanta, at one of their soup kitchen for homeless individuals. 
I met a man named Claxton. And at first, I didn't know that was his name. Because when I went up to him to introduce myself, and then when I asked him his name, his response, and or rather his shout, was, get out of here. Get out of here. That's a strange name, I thought. Imagine what it would be like to have your first name be get out and your last name be of here. And do you know why he told me that was his name? Because that's what everyone told him all the time. Get out of here. Wisdom cries on the streets, welcome the stranger, and speaks to reveal how the disenfranchised and disinherited can be excluded by others when they are actually holy dust. It happens in every city, on every street, on many busy corners of society from Durham to Delhi. But when wisdom speaks, do we listen? Do we hear the voices of the Claxtons in our world? Maybe God is trying to tell us something through a cry. A young man went to Socrates asking for wisdom. And he, he walked up to the philosopher Socrates and he said, Oh, great Socrates, I come to you for wisdom. Socrates led the young man through the streets to the sea and ultimately chest deep into the water. And then he, he asked the young man, what do you want? Wisdom, O oh wise Socrates, said the young man with a smile. Socrates put his strong hands on the man's shoulders and pushed him under the water. Thirty seconds later, Socrates led him up. What do you want? He asked again, wisdom, the young man sputtered, oh great and wise, Socrates, Socrates pushed him under again, 30 seconds passed, 35, 40, Socrates let him up and the man was gasping, what do you want, young man? Between heavy breaths, the young man screamed, wisdom, oh wise and wonderful. Socrates pushed him under again. Forty seconds passed, fifty. One minute he felt the young man struggling and he pulled him up again and asked, what do you want? Air, the young man screamed. I need air. And Socrates looked at that young man. And he smiled and he said, when you want wisdom just as much as you want air, then you will have wisdom. To desire wisdom is a great thing. But there is something else that is required according to the wisdom of scriptures. That is the posture of listening. Wisdom speaks and says, those who listen to me will be secure and will live at ease without dread of disaster. Are we listening? Are we listening to the cries of wisdom on the streets? Are we becoming streetwise? Wisdom cries and our call 
is to listen, to hear. At the core of Judaism, where this comes from, is to hear, Shema. That is the first task of any street prophet, is to listen, to hear. There does come a time for us to cry out, especially for those who cannot cry out for themselves. Yet wisdom's voice should be our primary guide in the critical cry in the public square, calling out to us to hear, reminding us what James says, that the tongue is a fire anyway. Wisdom cries out so that we can listen, not speak. Do you find yourself crying out all the time and being quick to speak and slow to listen? Or are you listening to wisdom's cries even when they come from a cross? Jesus, the wisdom of God, cried out loud on a cross for the world to hear. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that cry is a cry on city street corners everywhere. And it's a cry to hear, to heed, to remember, so that we never forget all of those who have gone down to death crying and whose voices still cry out from crosses from the ground, the dust, the ashes, the streets, the square, the busiest corners, and the entrance of city gates. Wisdom cries out in the street. In the square, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. So it's about time that we listen.